Holy Spirit, it's my prayer as I share this Christmas message that, Lord, it would have a deep and profound impact and a lasting effect on every single person in this auditorium today, that they will not forget what has been shared but would receive it, Father, by your Spirit, touching their hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 1962, Don and Carol Richardson were a missionary couple and went to live among the Sawi people in New Guinea. The Sawi were tribes at war. They were cannibals. They were happy to have the Richardsons uh, move close by. In fact, two rival tribes moved their tribes just to live right around the missionaries' homes. When Don told them the gospel story, he was so disappointed because the Sawi saw Judas as the hero because friendship and betrayal was a highly valued strategy in their culture. Don was frustrated he couldn't get a key to getting the gospel message across. He was also discouraged by the 14 civil wars that happened right outside his front doors between these two tribes. Eventually, Don said, I, I'm leaving this place for another village. The tribes people desperately wanted him to stay uh, so that their supply of steel uh, tools would be nearby. And so they said to him that if they stayed... They would make peace in the morning, these tribes that had warred for years and years and years. Well, the next day, the Richardson saw this most amazing ritual. It was called the Peace Child Ceremony. Two tribes were lined up. One man dashed into the hut, grabbed his son, newborn son, and with an expression of incredible agony, on his face, he ran towards the other tribe. His wife ran after him, pleading, begging to give their newborn son back to her. But of course, he didn't. He presented the boy to the other tribe and said, plead the peace child for me. I give you my son. I give you my name. Imagine giving up your newborn son. That's what the Sawi would do. Then the, someone from the other tribe would make the same sacrifice. And as long as the two children remained alive, the tribes were bound to live at peace. If the peace child died, civil war would break out again. Don realized that finally he had the key to communicate the gospel. He spoke to the Sawi elders about Jesus, the perfect peace child. How God voluntarily gave his only son to die for the sins of the world, given to bring peace, not just between man and man. But the wonder of this was peace between God and man, the ultimate peace child, the greatest of all. Not just given, like with the two tribes, he actually died. In bringing peace. In time, many of the Sawi were saved. And at Christmas today, we celebrate the perfect peace child. Some years later, on a Christmas, hundreds of Sawi from tribes that had cannibalized each other for years gathered for a feast for the first time, the very first time. And a Sawi preacher read a verse that few people in the history of the world understood more clearly. Can you guess what verse it was? Isaiah 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is 
given. The Sowie understood the giving of a son was the key to peace between man and man. But we're talking about something more wonderful than that. The Sowie saw in Jesus the ultimate peace child that brought peace between warring parties. This case between God and man. Jesus died to bring peace. Later, the Richardsons would say that was the best Christmas that they had ever experienced. So my question to you this morning is, have you received the peace child? Have you received Jesus and made your peace with God? You see, it's one thing, and the world is full of making peace between man and man. There's so many conflicts and relationships and parents and kids and marriages and workplace and all over the place, there's so much conflict, and there's book after book and strategy after strategy to bring peace between man and man, between human beings. And that's a great thing, but there's something far greater than that. Nothing compares with having peace with God. I'm here to tell you, like many others would, that I have peace with God. There is no barrier between me and God. The peace child has been given. He gave his life for my sins to be forgiven, so there's no barrier between me and God, perfect peace. What about you? Do you have that also? Nowadays, Christmas has been hijacked by shop till you drop, spend to the end, buy till you die. <laughs> gifts, 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 and more gifts. But listen, where did that start? Not with the advertisers. Not with the retailers to make more money. No, it started with God himself. God gave the very first gift of his son at Christmas time. His peace child given for our salvation. Sent from heaven, Jesus took on human flesh, faced suffering, rejection. Age 33, died a cruel death upon the cross. He died in buying us. He is the most extreme example of shop till you drop, spend till the end, buy till you die. He died in buying you and in buying me. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate gift, the greatest gift of all. Every last drop of his blood was spent as a gift to you and to me. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. At Christmas, we're all into gifts. I don't know about you, but I think we assess every gift that we get. We rate it from 1 to 10. Do you not? I'm sure you do. Don't lie to me. This is Christmas Day. You assess your gifts. Some are minus five, <laughs> and you recycle them next year. You give them to the relatives you do not like very much. I know how this works. What, about, what is it about God's gift that is indescribable? It's the ultimate gift. Firstly, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Why? Because the salvation and life it brings goes on through this life and the life to come. This gift lasts forever. It never gets old. It never gets broken. 
Not like some gifts today that are broken within the day or the next day. But with God's gift, the longer you have it, the more you love it, the more you appreciate it. The longer I'm saved, the more wonderful the gift of Jesus is to me. The longer I live, the better this gift gets. No other gifts like that, folks. It's amazing. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude for the gift of the perfect peace child for my salvation and for yours. Today's gifts, kids have had enough sometimes within hours of having received the gift. Discarded. Push to the side. Then they say, where's the next gift? Anyone aware of this happened in any of your families? Not one family in church unlimited. See? See? You've got to join this church. All the gifts are so good. No, none of them get broken. None of them get discarded. No kid in this church says, where's my next gift? They get one and they are forever grateful. Yeah, right. Where did that all come from, by the way? When you get Jesus, the indescribable gift, you don't need to look for any other gift because this gift can satisfy every need in your heart. God's gift is indescribable because it's the most expensive. The Bible tells us there's not enough wealth in the world to save one person, $107 trillion when I last looked it up, just to rescue one sinner from hell and to get them to heaven. And you're worth more than that. You're worth trillions of dollars. Don't ever let anyone tell you you're worthless. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're not valuable. God put the price tag on your life, and it is trillions of dollars. God's gift is indescribable. This is maybe the best of all. Well, not quite, but up there, is that it changes lives. Wow. Not many gifts do that. God's gift makes us more like Jesus, makes us better people. Anyone here better because they know Jesus? Now look at all those hands go up. What a great church. Just stirring, I'm sure you understand. This gift, think about it, can heal marriages. It can heal broken bodies. It can restore finances. It can set captives free. No other gift can do these things. That's why Paul said, God's indescribable gift that we celebrate today. Then it's indescribable because of its purpose. Purpose. Luke 2, 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God always knew that mankind's greatest need was not world peace, not more food to feed the hungry, not better hospitals, not better relationships, not a better welfare system. Our greatest need was for a Savior to rescue us from the flames of hell. So God gave his son. 
his only son. But he's not only the peace child, he's also the last Adam. The last Adam. The first Adam, the first man that God made, was ahead of the whole human race. He represented us, so when he fell and sinned, we all sinned with him. Tragically, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Think about this for a few moments. It may explain a few things about our world to you. Before his fall, Adam was given rulership over the created world. It was heaven on earth. Heaven on earth was God's plan, God's intention for you, for me, for mankind. There was no sickness. There were no disasters. Adam and Eve were sinless. They had an intimate relationship. They literally walked with God in the garden. When Adam sinned, the results were catastrophic, beyond comprehension or imagination, beyond understanding. He lost his relationship with God. He lost his rulership. Sin entered. Death entered. Destiny became hell. The whole human race now became subject to Satan. Natural disasters took place, wars, sickness, abuse, rape, murder, suicide all followed. A world without God was created by the sin of one man. Hell on earth, literally. And the worst result of Adam's sin was it changed the nature of man. From being sinless and perfect, walking in fellowship with God, he inherited a fallen and broken nature. Wickedness entered his heart. And that's what's behind the evil and the abominations and the disasters and the ill treatment of people that we see across the globe today. It changed our world from a perfect paradise to a cursed planet. Sin and a fallen world found its entry point through one man, Adam. But then Christmas. Then a son was given. Jesus, the last Adam, came to undo all the first Adam had lost. With Adam as our representative, his disobedience affects us all. With Jesus as our representative of a new race, his obedience, his birth, his death on a cross on our behalf affects us all. So Jesus came as the last Adam. He died once and for all for sin, so there never need to be a further Adam. Jesus conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. He canceled the evil legacy of Adam's fall. The first Adam brought death to the living. The last Adam brought life to the dying. Through Adam we receive this, through the last Adam we receive a new nature. And because of that, we can experience healing, breakthroughs, miracles, answers to prayer, peace, joy, and all that Adam lost. And best of all, ultimately, salvation. Eventually, the fallen earth will be done away with. And two eternal destinies will remain, heaven and hell and no in-between. The last Adam undid what the first Adam did. The peace child 
The last Adam may lead us to maybe the most wonderful truth of all. What could that be? People use DNA testing to find out about their family of origin. I don't know if anyone's tried that here. Many discover that somewhere up the family line, someone engaged in some illegal or immoral activity, others are shocked to discover their dad is not their dad at all. Family trees are interesting things. Jesus' family tree reads like the who's who of bad people, sinners. Matthew 1, 3, 5, and 6, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose name was Tamar, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose name was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. This is the family tree of Jesus. Tamar and Rahab were prostitutes. That's his family tree. Don't know if any of you have that in your family tree, but he did. Bathsheba committed adultery. What's the point of that? Well, these women demonstrate God's love for all people. Doesn't matter what your history, what your background, what your sin life, doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you and he died for you. Rahab came to believe in him, the prostitute. She finds her destiny in the lineage of Christ. Guess what? Her name appears in Hebrews chapter 11, right up there among the heroes of faith. Can you believe that? From prostitute to a champion of the faith. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to save and transform lives. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel. No one is beyond the transforming power of God. As you sit here thinking you're a lost cause, Jesus can transform your life and make you into something wonderful. Every one of us has a past, from the mass murderer to the best living person in this auditorium. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, every last person on the planet. And sin is a barrier between a person and God, a person and heaven. That's why Jesus had to come and die upon the cross. Jesus died to wipe out our past and to give us a great future. The key to truth in Matthew's genealogy is this. Rahab had a past, but God had a future for him, for her, sorry. The message of Christmas, a son is given. Jesus, the peace child, the last Adam, gives us all a great future. Some of you are sitting there saying, not me, pastor, you've got that one wrong. My life is such a mess. I do not have a great future. I'm here to not argue with you, but to tell you I haven't got it wrong. Because your great future is only a breath away. It's only a moment away, according to my Bible, because all Christians have a future beyond description. It's a future in heaven with Jesus for all eternity. And that is a future that will blow your mind. And it's only moments away. No matter how tough your life may have been, how disappointing you have experienced, no matter how hard it's been for you, you have a future, listen, infinitely better than billions of people 
who have ever lived. When you look at your life on earth, maybe it brings you little comfort, little peace. There's one more direction in which you need to look, and that is you need to look up. Because there is a God in heaven who loves you, and he has prepared a place for you that will be yours forever. You have an incredible future beyond description or celebration. Every one of us, your future is incredible. Don't be fooled into thinking that this life is what it's all about. This is just a moment, a breath, a whisper. You're just passing through. In seconds, you'll translate to an eternity. No more sorrow, suffering, sickness, loneliness, depression, pain. Wow. A pastor was called to reopen a church and run down church in Brooklyn in the United States of America. He arrived in October and he set a goal to have everything ready by Christmas Eve service. However, on December the 19th, there was a rainstorm. The roof leaked, causing damage behind the pulpit. On his way home, popped into a secondhand shop and found this crocheted tablecloth. It was just beautiful. Seemed the perfect fit to cover the damaged area behind the pulpit. On the way back to church, it's snowing. He sees this old lady who's missed her bus. So she, he offers her to come into the church where it was nice and warm and wait for the next bus. She sits there in the auditorium and the pastor puts up this beautiful crocheted tablecloth on the wall. She looks at it intently. She asks him, would you just check the right-hand corner for the initials E-B-G? They were her initials. She had made the cloth 35 years before in Austria. The Nazis had come. She was forced to leave. Her husband was captured, sent to prison. She never saw him or her home. She never saw him or her home ever again. The pastor wanted to give her back the tablecloth because it had such meaning, but she said, no, no, keep it for the church. He insisted on driving her home to Staten Island. They had a wonderful Christmas Eve service. By the end of the service, there's this older man who just continues to sit and stare at the tablecloth on the, behind the pulpit. He asked the pastor, where did you get that tablecloth from? He says it's identical to the one his wife had made him years ago when they lived in Austria. He said the Nazis had come, put him in prison, and he never saw his wife again in 35 years. The pastor offered to take him for a ride. Drove to Staten Island, to the woman's house, knocked on the door, and he saw the greatest Christmas reunion of a husband and wife ever. There is an infinitely greater reunion that's offered to every human being. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who came and died to reunite us with God. When you think of the incredible details of how everything was orchestrated 
for this wife and husband through the pastor of the church, the rain, the bus, missing the bus, and every minor detail was orchestrated for these two lives so they could be reunited. I want to suggest that God has orchestrated every minute detail of your life so that you happen to be in this service sitting here today to hear this message because God has a reunion for you with himself for your salvation so that you can be united together and be forever joined for eternity in this wonderful place known as heaven. Unto us the Son is given, God's peace child, the last Adam. All we have to do is believe in Jesus and receive him as our Savior and Lord. Isaiah 9 verse 6. And with that comes the great future in this life and in the next. Merry Christmas, everyone. May God bless you. Can we stand together, please?